this is Manahil and Joaquin returning with another episode of Tuesday Trendcast, your bi-weekly fix of the latest in social media and pop culture trends with a side of politics. Uh, so Manahil, what are your thoughts on Bardier Cardi? I enjoyed it. It was, it was surprisingly refreshing to see Cardi kind of take over the men in the video. She really had a standout personality as opposed to like other music videos I've seen come out recently. Yeah, the song itself is for one a bop. It really is, it's a bop. But the video also, uh, directed by Petra Collins, who has also worked with Selena Gomez, it's like kind of turns things on its head. It puts women in the position of power and men are just seen as like objects in this video, used as objects in this video too. Yes. You know, even we see like Offset, Cardi B's boyfriend, yeah. and she's just being, literally manhandled by Cardi B <laughs> or would, would the phrase be woman handled woman handled I like that I think that should be a thing um yeah no I completely agree it's it's really it's really nice to see that kind of representation in a music video especially when it's more common to see rappers who are male with their money and flaunting that in a music video but then you see Cardi come out with her music video and it's a nice comparison and just I don't know, one thing that struck me as kind of humorous was the, maybe it's kind of overuse, maybe it's not, uh, but the use of product placements throughout the video. <laughs> so we, or I caught on um, some product placement for EOS, uh, also Lyft, which now I'm considering of switching from Uber to Lyft. Oh my God. Thanks to Cardi B. Okay. Uh, and also just like Fashion Nova credit or like gift cards floating in the water. Yeah. yeah, and then the Beats as well. There was a Beats endorsement. Oh in there yeah, somewhere. there was a Beats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of product placement happening, um, which which is not something I really like to see in music videos. But you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, apart from the product placement, just the overall aesthetic of it. Yeah, the aesthetic was nice. I think, like you were saying about how it's refreshing to see this kind of music video. It's cool because. It talks. It, it kind of brings up the '70s vibe. What do yes, you think? Yes, I lo yes I love this '75 this '70s vibe that's like starting to take hold. I think most recently we saw it with uh, the Migos video for "Like I Like It" or "Walk It Like I Talk It." Walk it, talk it. There we go. Um, yeah, which uh, if we don't know already, uh, one of Mi the Migos is actually Offset, Cardi B's boyfriend. Uh, and Drake is also featured in that video. But, you know, we also saw these 70s references with Selena Gomez because uh, Petra Collins was her video director along with her photographer. Uh, but I'm just hoping to see more of Petra Collins in the future. And I can't wait for Bell Bottoms to come back. <laughs> I don't know if I'm very keen on Bell Bottoms, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, we're seeing this rise in 70s culture and... Petra Collins is definitely at the top of that list. So we'll see. We'll see. But on another note, uh, the talk on gun rights has been continuing on since uh, the Parkland shooting. But more recently, uh, in today's case, uh, because of Stefan Clark, uh, a man who was shot eight times by eight police times. in Sacramento, California, which you know, that's pretty insane. Uh, from what I've read, Stefan Clark was pulling out a cell phone and... And he was in his backyard. Yes. Which is the most 
it's the most disheartening detail of this story, I think, where there's a man in his backyard pulling out his cell phone and he gets shot. How does that happen? I guess this also brings up the debate, well, for one, of, you know, who should have guns in this country and whether police officers should even have guns in this country. And then that brings up, like, a question of the militarization of police. Because should they really have that accessibility to weapons that aren't even necessary for normal policing? Yeah, I definitely share your same thought. But at the same time, you know, I'm kind of realistic about this, you know, demilitarization of the police because we do live in a country with a Second Amendment right that is heavily protected. People are very much against, or gun owners, I should say, uh, are mostly against their Second Amendment right being infringed upon uh, through the use of assault weapons bans or bump stocks bans or even uh, better background checks. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not sure how well people would take it, especially now that we may take into consideration extending uh, gun control laws onto the police force, which is supposed to protect us. Yeah, and I think we've been seeing a lot of news about how guns have been doing us harm rather than protecting us. And it brings into into mind the recent March for Our Lives that happened in Washington, D.C. Yeah, uh, so I unfortunately wasn't at the March for Our Lives event. Uh, I wish I was, but I know that you were Manaho, and so yeah. I want to get your take on all that happened there. Yeah, there was just so much happening, and I'm so glad I went, because it just was an event that you had to be there to kind of feel. Um, and the general mood wasn't really sad at all it it felt very uplifting to be there and it felt like since I was there change was gonna come and I think being there kind of made everyone feel like something was to come from the march even if we haven't seen much movement afterwards I think just that march happening and the speakers that were there having that impact on that big a crowd I think was a, was a significant event that we're all going to remember for a very long time. Yeah, I feel a lot of us are going to remember it, but again, I'm just trying to be realistic about all of that's happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I wish I could be more optimistic, but I'm not sure how much change will come about from uh, the March for Our Lives, if any change will come about. I know that right now, a lot of these gun, or a lot of gun reform is left to the states, Uh, rather than to the federal government. I'm not exactly sure if we're going to see any type of weapons ban in in the near future. I really hope we do. Yeah, see, I like to be more optimistic. I think we might see some traction. We might see more talks about gun reforms and changing policies regarding the age at at which you're allowed to buy a weapon. Um, And I think... I think the biggest step was to kind of unite people. And that was that happened at the march, and I, I saw it. And especially when Emma Gonzalez was up there, she has definitely become the figurehead for the movement. And Her and David Hogg. Yeah. Her and David Hogg, both of them. They've been significant figures. And I think if they continue to stay active in this fight against gun laws, they'll somehow be successful. And I really want to be optimistic on that note. 
I can understand your optimism, uh, but you know, you mentioned Emma Gonzalez, and uh, from what I've seen and from what I've heard, her speech was very powerful. But I feel that since you were there, you could sort of explain it better than I could. Yeah, um, in person, I was there. I was standing in the crowd when Emma Gonzalez came up, and she talked about the six minutes and some seconds it took for the shooter to kill her friends. And for those six minutes, actually part of those six minutes, I think four minutes, she stood on the stage and she was completely silent. And the effect that had on the crowd, as far as I could see, was emotional. Everybody seemed to not want to speak. Nobody was moving. There was just a silent air that was cast around the crowd. And I think you kind of had to be there to, to experience that emotion just that was brought about by silence. But it was, it was an event that I think if you were there, you will not forget. Like it's, it's something that has changed how I see the survivors of the Parkland shooting. Um, and I just, I feel, I feel deeply sorry for everything that had happened. Same here. Um, but, you know, you mentioned the power of silence, which is very significant. But if we can imagine ourselves in the place of these students at, at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High, uh, there was not any silence. It was um, rampant shooting, which unfortunately led to 17 lives being, you know, just whisked away in such a short amount of time. Yeah, it really makes you think about why, like why all of this is being allowed and why there isn't, there hasn't been any change, it, it, especially after everything that's happening, and as we mentioned, the Stefan Clark shooting as well. There's just so much happening around one issue, and I think something needs to happen, and very soon, or else people will get restless, even more than they are right now. Yeah, definitely. And then just more on Emma Gonzalez, um, a lot of these, uh, the proponents of the March for Our Lives movement have been sort of attacked by alt-right media, as we've seen on uh, social media sites like Twitter, and more specifically Emma Gonzalez because she was actually, there is this photo circulating uh, of her, uh, or the original photo I should explain was of her standing up and ripping apart a bullseye. But the photo was then edited and circulated throughout a lot of alt-right, you know, social media sites, or I shouldn't say social media sites, just alt-right. Not news sites, just alt-right places on the web such as alt -right reddit forums. alt right forums yeah on the web and then just uh retweeted and shared by other people who felt so strongly about gun rights and they edited the, M the emma gonzalez picture to feature her holding the con ripping the constitution in two and also they even edited her face which i found very you know kind of off-putting yeah. The fact that they would edit her face to feature dark circles, they widened her nose. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. actually really disturbing. That in, they, they didn't think it was enough to kind of edit in the Constitution that she was ripping apart. They thought it would be necessary to change her physical appearance. And that that's highly disturbing. That I can't, I don't know why. Don't know why anyone would do that other than for, you know, a political agenda. That's right. And then it calls into question fake news or fake news being the reason 
this image was circulated so much and how easily people can fall for it. Yeah, but also talking about the fake news circulation and kind of the trustworthiness of social media, I think we should also talk about the current Facebook scandal. Yeah, with Cambridge Analytica. You know, after this Cambridge Analytica stuff broke out, I very much was uh, disgusted with Facebook. I even went ahead and joined the delete Facebook hashtag. (laughs) And now I'm just waiting for my less than 14 days now of my Facebook to be permanently removed. Yeah, I think the remove Facebook movement has been very popular among young people who don't want to see their data misused in that way. Um, I personally see Facebook has been really convenient for me um, so I haven't deleted it quite yet but there's a possibility I might join you in that movement honestly go ahead and join me it's like such a fun party over here (laughs) but to get more serious uh, you know this is definitely a very significant matter so much so that the Senate Judiciary Committee is getting involved Uh, with an April 10th hearing uh, of Mark Zuckerberg and other social media CEOs. Yeah, so the hearing is going to be taking place on April 10th, um, and it's gained a lot of attention in social media, um, especially because we want to see CEOs like Zuckerberg and the CEO of Twitter and the CEO of Google held accountable for misuse of data. And privacy has now become a really big issue And I think the public is kind of now realizing how important data is and how you can obtain anybody's data on the internet. It's readily available for them through social media. Especially if these social media websites, and not just social media websites, but a lot of other websites uh, have been selling people's data in order to target them with either some political agenda or, you know, something perhaps not as serious with, you know, what clothes to buy from which store. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it's funny because this whole situation kind of reminds me of the the meme that's been circulating, the one with the crusty crab and oh, yeah, the, the chum crusty bucket. Oh, yeah, the crab and the chum bucket. Yep, the comparison. I, I, for me, I feel like Facebook is kind of the chum bucket in this scenario. I want to go back to MySpace, kind of. <laughs> Wait, so MySpace is going to be the crusty crab? I really think so. Like, if we're deleting our Facebook accounts, I think we're going to revert back to MySpace. I think that's the move. I think you guys should get on it. Well, I'm honestly just going to avoid that trend. <laughs> but uh, we can move on now to talk about NYU, which has seen its lowest acceptance rate in years. Uh, Maybe, I'm not exactly sure if it's its lowest acceptance rate ever, but its acceptance rate is now, it was 19% uh, for this incoming class of 2022, uh, and approximately 75,000 people applied. Uh, But not only is it like one of the lowest acceptance rates in NYU history, it also is the most diverse class yet in NYU more specifically with 33% and 14% hikes in African-American and Latino, Latina students uh, being accepted uh, from years before, or from the year before, I should say. I really think this is a great moment to be an NYU student, especially when you're seeing NYU admin 
kind of taking in di this diverse class, this class of 2022. And I think I'm kind of proud to say that I'm part of NYU because of how they're changing for the better and being more inclusive and diverse and giving opportunities to communities that haven't been given those opportunities in the past or haven't had them readily available to them. See, I'm, you know, this also makes me proud to be at NYU also, but at the same time, I'm wondering like what's going to happen with our, um, you know, stuff like cost of attendance and our financial aid. Are we going to get more of it? Because like I said, 19% were accepted from a 75,000 applicant pool, which I think is about 14,000 were accepted. So it's definitely one of NYU's largest classes yet. And so I'm yeah. not sure if that number is going to bring our tuitions up or down. I want to hope that it's down. Yeah, see, I, I really want to think that tuition will go down as much as I want that. It's kind of hard for me to believe that the amount of students that will actually accept the offer of admission will, it probably won't be around 14,000. It'll be maybe like the normal 7,000 students um, for the class of 2022. And that kind of means tuition won't be going anywhere. Yeah, but it's still, like I said, about 14,000. So let's say 4,000 don't apply. That still leaves about 10,000. And, you know, in my class, uh, when I was accepted into NYU, you know, once I got um, here to NYU in the fall of 2015, uh, there was supposedly 5,000 students that were there or in our um, inauguration. Yeah, so for my class of 2016, um, fall of 2016, I was told that we had a, a graduating class of about 6,000, um, which is a thousand more students than yours, but I don't think that kind of influenced the tuition. Yeah, that definitely hasn't, intu hasn't influenced the tuition because after that, we still saw like a slight percent increase in our tuitions, but apparently, you know, our tuitions are going to be frozen for this year, which I guess is somewhat of a good thing because it's not going to rise. But at the same time, I'm kind of hoping for a decrease or at least know better where our money is going towards, or rather not our money, I should <laughs> say. You know, it's, you know, a combination of our parents' money and, you know, a bank's money that we're going to eventually have to pay off in the future. Yep, all the invisible ghost money that mm -hmm. we're spending, all of that. On that sort of cynical note, we hope you don't become discouraged of being a student at NYU. It's definitely a time to be alive, and it's definitely a time to be in D.C. Um, and it's also definitely a time to check out our following music recommendations at the end of our podcast. Be sure to check out Tuesday Trendcast every other Tuesday, but most of all, remember... Stay cultured, stay swanky, stay, stay trendy. trendy.